Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. It's an honor today to have a good Twitter friend, Robin Brown. I've been following Robin on Twitter for a while now, and he is constantly dropping some great knowledge, sharing his journey to seven figures on Amazon. And uh, I thought it'd be good to get him on the show and talk through that journey, what it was like to uh, launch his first product and actually fail with that first product, and then that journey through to seven figures. This was a great great conversation which I know you'll get a lot of value out of he is a just real clear thinker clear communicator and is clearly a good operator so uh, without further ado let's jump into this episode with Robin awesome well I am here with Robin all the way from Australia this morning welcome to the show Robin thanks for having me man yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dive into your journey. We've uh, kind of connected a little bit on Twitter, uh, the, the growing Amazon army on Twitter, and just seeing some of your progress has been super inspiring. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dig into yeah, your story, your progress, how you've got there, where you're headed, uh, and uh, and all that kind of stuff, really. So um, take us back to the beginning, man. How did you... Uh, well, firstly, yeah, you, you're in Sydney, but you are not from Australia. How did you find yourself in uh, that great part of the world? Uh, work, basically. I So, well, I keep wanting to say I am a film artist, but I guess I'm not because I'm, I'm making the transition to FBA and I do it full time yeah. now, but in my head I'm still a film artist and yeah. it can be quite transient work. Um, you can travel wherever you want and I came out here maybe six, seven years ago for what was supposed to be a five-week contract and ended up staying five months and met my now partner within the first weekend. Um, so I was actually living in Canada at the time and then by the end of the five months started thinking, okay, this might work. So we did long distance for a little bit and then moved here, I think three years ago now. Nice. It's uh, it's an amazing place of the world. I like I said to you before, I lived there for a couple of years, and it's yes, yeah, so it's a beautiful place. So uh, a little bit jealous at the moment in our English winter, but thankfully spring is coming around, and uh, looking forward to some warmer weather. But no, thank you for joining us. Oh. It's like seven in the morning for you, right? So yep, but it's uh, we've got a, a seven-month-old baby, so I'm used to early hours at the moment. True. No, good stuff. Well, I appreciate it a lot. Um, so yeah, let's, let's dig into your journey then. So take us back to the beginning. When was the first time you heard about the opportunity to sell on Amazon and, and what kind of got you into it? I think it was 2017. Um, I was working on a film and at the beginning of films, it is always a very quiet time. And to be honest, I was kind of bored. So I was surfing around for podcasts to listen to and ran into one that was... Uh, it was a eventual millionaire, and it was a, an interview with Adam Hudson talking about the FBI, FBA model. And I thought, huh, that's kind of interesting. Like something that, yes, you can front load the work, but then after that, it's kind of passive. And I thought, mm. um, I, it just piqued my interest, I guess, and listened mm. to more and more stuff. And probably took me about a year before I pulled the trigger and actually ordered something. Quite a lot of analysis paralysis at the start. Mm. Um, but yeah, that got me going. And then first sale, I looked this up just before because I thought this might come up, was April 2018 was our first sale or our first nine sales in April. Um, and then kind of grew from there with, with various bumps and, and things along the way. Yeah, nice, man. Nice. And so your sort of journey from there, did it grow quickly? Uh, did you have any full starts? How was that first sort of year for you? 
very much a false start. So the first product was actually a failure, which I think is a lot more common than, than people let on. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd, so I'd found this product in December of the previous year and made the order. And then three days after I placed the order, I was going through the Facebook groups and saw someone posting saying, um, okay, this, this guru group has put out a list of ideas for their students stay away basically and my product which was a felt letterboard at the time um was on that it was on that list was like oh my god <laughs> so i wasn't sure what to do but um the product got in but by, by the time it had it, it was like hyper saturated um yeah. so yeah that was my first learning experience with amazon for sure yeah. but yeah. got me a bit of a taste from it and up until that point i'd kind of done it self-paced so uh, I'd followed what I could find on YouTube podcasts and the like um, and I'd done a, a little course not, not like a, a largely structured one um, and I thought okay I think this is for me it didn't work out this time um, yeah. so I bought another course and it was one where you could kind of vet your ideas before you went ahead with the order which uh, was super important to me because of my first experience um, so I went from there really uh, I think it was just trying to remember probably seven or eight months since that first product launch where I launched product two okay. um, and yeah I went from there really what was it that made you carry on like if that first product didn't work a lot of people would just say well this this doesn't work and give up and walk away what what made you carry on well the reason that i i thought about doing fba like the film work actually pays really well but the hours can be crazy like you can get to 80 100 hour weeks during peak time and that can be for months on end and i always had a view that i wanted a family and the like and I just thought, how, how does that work with kids? How do people make this work? They do make it work, but um, kind of disappearing for a couple of months on end and being a zombie around your kids because you're so tired wasn't something that I wanted to do. So I was at an eye to maybe there's something else I could do. And mm. I thought that this was a good option, like something that I could dip my toe into at the same time as still working. And I could kind of yeah. see how it went that way. Um, see, so yeah. I guess that's why I stuck to it. I'd kind of planned to do real estate actually before, um, right before I found FBA, but just because of yeah. going back and to between um, Canada and Sydney, uh, that was going to prove difficult. So I had a little bit of capital saved up for some, doing something else. I just wanted to give FBA a go. Yeah, yeah. And so that first product experience wasn't enough to put you off? Uh, it definitely stung at the time, uh, not gonna lie, but no, no, I thought like, the mo the model is brilliant if, and it has its challenges for sure, but um, it's absolutely scalable and I think it's absolutely achievable as long as you don't give up. Um, so yeah, I wanted to stick with it. I thought I'd give it another product um, with kind of the new tuition that I was going through and then reevaluate. Like if that hadn't worked out, I, I maybe would have questioned myself a bit more, but I thought yeah. I'd at least give it another crack. Yeah. And then how did you approach that second product? Did you do things differently to the first one? Yeah. So the, the person that was running the course was really good. Actually, I, I had a, a call with them and they said, uh, cause I had a, another product in mind and I showed it to them and he said like, it's okay, but 
because you've had this first experience um we need to get you a win on the board basically because <laughs> yeah. if you get another yeah. failure then that's gonna uh, that's gonna be a really uphill battle so i spent more time looking for another opportunity and found one that kind of tied in some of my um like film design experience it was a product where um it was design based so i was quite comfy doing that sort of thing and ended up running my design versus the competitors via pickfu making little tweaks to it until it always got like the favorable response in pickfu so i had a pretty decent idea that it should convert quite well yeah and that gave me the traction that i thought like i, I went in with the expectation okay if, if it makes 5k a month revenue that's that's like first base hit that's good for me and it ended up doing like 10 to 12k a month um and then it was actually something that i thought i probably can't build a brand around this but now i've got the experience now i've got um a bit more of a plan about how to launch products and the like um mm -hmm. i'll look for other opportunities and grow from there so that's what i did yeah yeah it's a real good bit of insight that you use pick food to you know really study the market before you went into it for anybody that's listening doesn't know what pickfu is it's like a it's almost like a split testing you, you poll an audience for two different options right uh, and then they can choose and it gives you that insight of real customer data so it's uh yeah i think really a lot of people would think to use it to test their main image or their uh, infographics you know once they've got their product but you used it before your product was sourced to help you in the product development process right yeah and it's something that i almost always do with all new products now um it's yeah. not the cheapest thing in the world to do the, the pick through test but it's invaluable and as well as just getting a comparison point like oh the audience prefer a to b you can also ask them a question and get feedback that that way so like what would you change or how how might you do this differently or yeah. little questions like that and you can pick up little nuggets from that as how to tweak the product and yeah. how it's um no, really how to merchandise it more effectively basically yeah yeah that's really smart that's really smart and so um that second product that you launched that's something that you still sell now yeah yeah it's definitely suffered from margin compression more more competitors come into the niche um i think it's probably doing about 8k a month now um and mm -hmm. to be honest i've not paid a lot of attention to the list and it, it could probably do with a bit of updating um, yeah. Just a bit more focused on growth of, of new products, um, so mm -hmm. I've kind of deprioritized that. But it's something that we're looking to get to in the next month or so. But yeah, it's had a good product life cycle. It's maybe three years we've been selling that now. Yeah. And then, did you continue to launch products in that same niche? No. So um, I yeah, I was a bit confused what to do at the time. I guess there's there's definitely different ways to approach this industry like you can do the scattergun kind of open brand um yeah. accounts or or more niche down and i think that now as fba is consolidated the the brand is a lot more important than it was back in 2018 um i ended up launching another product in a different niche and kind of grew out a a brand around that so the yeah. the first product that we have is a bit of an anomaly to the brand but it, it's making revenue and it kind of it's, it's no work really so i'll just keep yeah. it going um but the the next the next um products that we launched were um 
for ASIN centered around a specific kind of arts and craft product and sure. yep. that was a little bit different to the the first approach that we took um, based upon some of the learnings from the course so yeah. first product first product was more around the typical jungle scout like find something small and light fits in a shoebox <laughs> and low reviews and that kind of thing um, the this product was actually different in terms of it was an electronics item and it was a bundle so I thought that that's going to be a pretty decent moat at that at that time um, and it definitely proved that way not it's not a highly competitive market at, at all mm. yeah that's good that's good man and so that's the one you've sort of been building up until now that's the the main brand that you still own now yeah so that's the the main revenue brand um also started a a secondary one um start of this year 2022 um that is in a gifts niche it's definitely a, a trickier niche and we've got a couple of products in there but i think i really want to focus on one brand because it it is good diversification as risk mitigation and the like but it definitely splits your focus and yeah. i want to scale quite quickly so i really want to double down on the brand that's working and the one that i think has more potential long term so really going to focus on one and just kind of leave the other brand um selling through at the moment yeah sure okay and talk to us about that then in terms of the journey where you're up to now as much as you're comfortable obviously i follow you on twitter and you post your progress and your updates uh you had a pretty good q4 from what i remember um are you comfortable sharing with the audience kind of where you're at in terms of revenue and progress yeah so yeah by december last year we just hit the seven figure run rate uh, it was the first time we cracked the, the million dollar mark within a year and it always been my north star like just a vague kind of goal okay i want to get to seven figures i got there i was like okay that's cool now what <laughs> so um took 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 a few weeks to try and try and work out a plan because it, it just seems like a strange thing just to throw out a random arbitrary number and yeah. think okay that's now my new goal um but i thought that Kind of, I, I got to seven figures just by throwing stuff at the wall and, and seeing what sticks. Um, I'm not a very structured person; like I'm a creative from a creative background, so Excel spreadsheets and structure isn't my forte <laughs> for the most part. But yeah. to scale beyond seven figures, that's kind of what you need to do. You need more structure, yeah. uh, SOPs, that that sort of thing. So I'm at the point now where we've set new goals and want to have an exit within well my initial plan was two years but through getting more structure and doing forecasting and things like that i don't think that's a likely time scale for us so two two and a half years is the goal now um yeah. but yeah i'm just doing trying to put in things things in place to get to that point so i'm hiring a coach and getting more advice that way and yeah trying to scale what has uh what moves that goalpost from two years to two and a half years if, is it like a, a number that you set you want to achieve or what, what's changed that yeah so and this was one of the things that um my coach really helped with so 
and I know this isn't the best thing to do. Revenue was always always my target. Okay, I'll get to the seven-figure mark, and then after that, I thought, okay, should I just throw out a random like two million, three million number or whatever? And through speaking to him, he said, okay, let's work backwards. So, when do you want to sell, and what do you want your business value to be? And that was a very um, better lens to look at it, just because yeah. I could build a business safe my target was now three million dollars or whatever I could build a business that gets to that point before um, the two-year period but because businesses are valued on the previous trailing 12 months you really need to get to that point 12 months before you sell so that you can have a whole year cycle and especially with a brand that's centered around Q4 like Q4 is a massive part of our revenue so you need to maximize that and Ideally, you need to be not launching new products in that trailing 12 months because um, they're going to be a drain on your profitability and the like. So that made me realize, okay, if we had a two-year goal, that means I need to get everything done in the next year. And then if you consider, okay, it takes three months on average to get a product produced, get it shipped into Amazon, get the listing ready, get it launched, and then you probably have another six months before you've reached the point of profitability of like covering the cost of the initial order and um, the reorder and the like. It's like, okay, there's my 12 months is now reduced by nine months. So I've got to kind of launch all these products in the next three three months. That's not going to work. So I went through a forecasting exercise and that realized that my my plan was not going to work. but through modeling different scenarios, I realized that, okay, two and a half years is more likely. That gives, an, gives us a nine month window to launch so many products. Um, and I'm also gonna approach that slightly differently that I think will help us scale. So we came up with an EBITDA goal and kind of worked out what my average revenue per product was currently and realized that that would be a lot of products so rather than launching all those in individual product terms that's a lot of outreach a lot of different suppliers to manage um kind of going to try and approach it more on a category basis so finding niches of products that will hit certain um level ebitda and then just have say five of those or six of those and then it's just five suppliers to deal with and all being well, you should get kind of economies of scale through doing it that way and better, yeah. better terms and the like. So it will be a yeah. more um, slightly riskier approach doing it that way, higher higher revenue, but it should be a way to do it more quickly. Yeah, sounds good, man. Sounds good. And what's the uh, team sort of look like? Is it is it just yourself or do you have any help at the moment? Yeah, I've only got one part-time person at the moment. Um, looking to grow them to a full-time role um i think with kind of the current team in inverted commas it's only me and one other person um we can probably launch one to two products a month and i think that's probably doable with our time scale um the forecasts that we've done is kind of an early days one so we might have to we might find down the line that okay this isn't going to work we might need to scale the team a bit but yeah keeping it quite small and lean at the moment because um, mm-hmm. it's also less of a drain on cash flow and the like too yeah yeah uh, what do they do for you she's a bit of a, a jill of all trades actually she's great she's from an accounting background so she does a lot of the accounting stuff and then 
she does product um, research and then supplier outreach and kind of consolidates all the suppliers quotes into one main sheet that I can look at and organizes samples inspections um, shipping yeah like she can dip into she's been been with me a couple of years she can dip into various aspects of the business like setting up PPC campaigns and, and that kind of thing um, so we have a lot of kind of overlap of jobs where she can step in it if need be I kind of keep myself more to the um, second half of the FBA process so design work and listings and um, general business strategy really and she's more with the sourcing and, and that side of things yeah that's awesome it's um crazy right what other business model could you run where you could own a million dollar business with you and a part-time member of staff it's pretty cool yeah it's yeah it is it is nuts it's it can be so scalable it's just the the upfront work that you have to get out of the way and then once you do the maintenance is is much less um so it's all about how aggressively you want to scale after that point um but yeah crazy eh? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. You mentioned your uh, product launch plan, you know, launching lots of products. And you also said earlier about how you'd learnt from your mistakes and from the learning and, you know, the training you, you've gone on to do. Uh, you've learnt how better to launch products. Can you talk us through what you do now to launch a product that's different to maybe a year ago, two years ago? Yeah, I guess if you compare it to the first product we launched, it's night and day in terms of the technical approach. Um, I think that's one of the big changes in the Amazon space in the last year or two, particularly as aggregators have come into the space and just all the, with the influence of uh, all the Chinese sellers, it's just got more of a, a technical approach. So I think PPC is really essential and having a great mm -hmm. strategy for that um, can make or break your launch um, with any product launch. It's a lot of it hinges around uh, the product itself and the way you've merchandised it. So obviously the, the product research and the merchandising you do up front makes everything easier if you do that right. So mm -hmm. really focusing on that. But yeah, it's definitely a different climate now in terms of giveaways are have been explicitly outruled. So there's a lot more of an emphasis on PPC and how many keywords you can kind of hit um, for a product. So with that kind of my approach has been centered around using data dive brandon young's tool mm. to yeah. see for new products okay because you can have a product that has um a lot of sales or, or search volume excuse me but it might just be on a few keywords so if you've got a few competitors all scrapping over those few, few keywords it's going to be a lot tougher for but if you can find products that have two three hundred different keywords a lot of the sellers aren't going to hit all of those keywords so it gives you a lot mm. more opportunity to rank on longer tails and succeed that way as well as the main mm. search terms so that's really a focus right now um like i ha honestly i haven't launched a product in the last four or five months so mm -hmm that's my plan to, to go into it like very ppc heavy uh, expect to launch um ex expect to lose excuse me um money up front and honestly li i listened to your kevin king uh podcast last week and mm. listening to his approach was really interesting um great interview by the way um so yeah i'm gonna 
aggressively discount my product at, at launch as well. And mm. whereas before we would do giveaways and expect to lose money via that, I'll probably take that budget that I would have done for given giveaways and just roll that into product steep product discounts to get traction at the start and approach it from that way. Yeah, no, that's exactly what we'll be doing. We've got um, new product launching in a couple of weeks, and yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be doing that. Um, whether I can go to three dollars or not is, is another thing. But <laughs> I thought scary. that too. I was like, oh my god, that's a big discount. Um, yeah. Well, I thought, yeah. yeah, maybe if you do a 50% discount or something um, <laughs> with a coupon, that'll definitely grab eyes. Yeah. But yeah, that was a cutthroat discount that he was doing. It's funny though, right? Because you, I would happily do rebates six months ago, 100% rebates. So I suppose, you know, doing 90% yeah. off on Amazon is the same thing, but it's just the, the mindset, isn't it? But... I thought the same. Yeah, totally. That's good. I'd love to hear more about Data Dive because I've heard a lot of people talk about it um, and uh, I haven't sort of looked into it too much myself yet. But um, I did notice, though, because I, I looked at the info for it because I think previously it was only available to Brandon's kind of like inner circle members, but now they're putting it out to a wider wider audience. Um, how does it differ to, say, uh, you know, Helium 10's keyword research tools? I know it kind of lays on top of that, I think. But, yeah, talk me through how you're using it. Yeah, um, I guess it is a fantastic way to consolidate the Helium 10 um, information along with additional stuff like brand analytics. So for a given product, you, you put in, say, 10 or maybe 20 of your top competitors. So find the most find the most relevant keyword, pull the best competitors for that. I kind of arrange them by revenue to see who's selling the best pick the most relevant ones and then you can do the data dive and that pulls I'm gonna sound like an infomercial <laughs> I'm not getting a kickback for this um, no, that pulls all the uh, that pulls all the uh, Cerebro info like Google Trends um, brand analytics info and it shows it basically shows the quality of your competitors so say for a given product if it looks at those 10 or 20 competitors and it finds okay for this product there's 300 keywords it will then show you for each competitor uh, what percentage of those keywords are they ranked um, ranked well for and also the percentage of search volume so you could have a niche where um, there's only a few keywords and obviously if they hit all that they're going to hit all the search volume but if you have a key uh, and excuse me a niche that has a lot of keywords they might hit the top couple of keywords well but they might be missing a ton of the search volume um, on the, the longer tail so it gives you two different analytics to look at in terms of how well they're ranking for keywords specifically and how well they're ranking for search volume as a whole additionally to that which is also really useful it can find outlier keywords that people are ranking and doing sales well on so um, I'm in the arts and crafts niche so you might well you might rank well on product specific keywords for the product that you're selling but you might also find there are certain top competitors that are ranking that product for in terms of generic keywords like arts and crafts for girls or dinosaur toys or, or whatever mm -hmm. so it can give you a little insight into potential other areas or even possible ways to merchandise your product slightly differently 
to give you larger um, keyword and search volume possibilities. Mm. Um, on top of that, it's it also has its own um, like separate tabs for writing listings and comparing your title to all the other titles. So mm -hmm. um, th there's there's so much to it to be honest. It, it's a really great tool. It um, also gives you insight into kind of the root keywords that you need to target. So every product will have certain root keywords that have their own long tails, and it gives you insight into okay, we've probably got five or six roots that we really need to to target well because hitting one root keyword generally brings up all related keywords to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, great tool. Yeah, no, that's good. There's a level of um, <clears throat> you know insight and research that uh, the average Amazon seller just just doesn't do. So it's interesting to see how uh, you know big sellers like yourself and uh, yeah are using these kind of this kind of data to really grow and uh, it's exciting. It's good. How then are you using that data for? Do you use that for your PPC campaigns as well? Does that play into your strategy there? Um, and what is your PPC strategy? Yeah, it definitely plays into that, um, especially in terms of what I just said, like you have to make sure you hit the roots hard so that um, hitting one root hard will bring up all related keywords. So that is part of the strategy and and having that insight allows you to pivot in terms of, okay, I'm launching my product, um, keeping an eye on keyword rankings and you can kind of see, um, okay, this route really isn't getting traction so you can put extra effort into that you perhaps you now put that into your title and try and raise up that route and start to get that ranked um, in terms of overall strategy it's it's so different to when i first started uh, like back in the day it was kind of you know an, an auto and a manual campaign and cross yeah. your fingers and yeah. not that sophisticated in the slightest um brandon has a yeah. um I am part of his uh, inner circle. He has a t highly technical approach um, to PPC and an SOP to follow. Um, it, it mostly centers around trying to gain ranking and relevance really quickly. So um, manual campaigns only to very discrete terms that you're highly relevant for. And then within the first week or so if you check Amazon's suggested keywords so say if you went to create a new PPC campaign Amazon actually further down gives you suggested keywords and you can kind of infer yeah. from that okay they think I'm relevant for this item or that item and you'll you'll notice it at the very beginning it will have a tiny bit of insight just from what is in your copywriting and the like and the browse node that you're in um, but it's not super dialed in and after the first week or so if you're doing a good job, those suggested keywords should really hone in on your product. Um, and if it's not, then maybe you've got something that you need to tweak. But yeah, the PPC strategy kind of focuses around gaining ranking quickly and relevance so that Amazon knows what you are. And using that data to really try and understand if you're not converting well, uh, perhaps you need to change imagery. Like if your click-through rate isn't going well, then I would swap out my hero image. If you're not converting well overall, then m maybe you have some work to do on your listing in terms of imagery or, or copy. Um, as well as having kind of the strategy just in place to, to launch and rank for keywords, it's also a good diagnosis tool 
um, to see okay I've got some work to do or or not basically um, so for example if you have a very good ACOS out the gate then you kind of know that okay there's a high chance that it's a leading indicator is that there's a high chance this project will be successful whereas if you've got 400% ACOS in the first week then you probably know that you're in a bit of trouble and you need to do a little bit of work yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good man it's uh, no auto campaigns when you launch is a bit of a contentious issue on Twitter of, of late but uh, it's good <laughs> you know it's <laughs> <laughs> that um that strategy of creating relevance around the product is uh you know yes it's, it's interesting and uh, I, I really like it talk to us a little bit about your um q4 experience because you said you've got a very q4 centric brand and uh, i know the stresses of that uh, so how are you um, working towards that for anybody that does have a brand that's very you know giftable or toys or anything like that what are you doing even now you know march when we're recording this uh, are you thinking about q4 how do you how do you go into it thinking about q4 in terms of it really makes me want to launch products now um well prior to now ideally because for q4 products you especially with all the shipping delays and, and issues you really need to be placing your orders like June maybe for Q4, so Q4 sizing. So in terms of new products, I really want to get them in now so that I have that chance to prove the product and get chance for my second order to be Q4 sizing rather than, yeah, the problem is if, if I'm launching in the second half of the year, I need to do much larger orders um, for my first order. So it's a bigger capital risk. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of other Q4 things you need to be aware of. Cash flow is a ma majorly impacted. So if I'm launching a new product now, like I would order for three and a half, maybe four months, um, depending on the situation. But I need to be aware that my reorder will probably come around June, July. And then that's depending on the amount of Q4 lift you get. It could be anywhere from like three to 10x the amount, maybe even more. So my second order is probably going to be six to eight months worth of stock. So um, much bigger capital investment. And because of that, you're you're not going to be profitable until you hit January, just because that second order, um, like I mean, profitable on the product as a whole, um, that second order is going to be so large, you can't kind of offset that in profitability in, within the first order. Um, what was kind of key for us um, last year and why we hit the seven figures really was maximizing my Q4. I had mm. huge problems the, the previous um, the previous year with logistics and really getting on top of that. Um, I kind of diversified my supply chain a bit and intentionally sent some with two different freight forwarders to two separate 3PLs. And the other thing that was really key was having a 3PL that could do live truck unloads. So um, I sell in the States, it might not be as much of an issue in the UK, but if you're using Amazon Partner Carrier, um, like sometimes it can take weeks to get an appointment or weeks to check in. Yeah. And yeah. last year there was a big issue with restock limits and they weren't giving us um, enough limits to send in the amounts that we needed for Q Q4. And I tried everything like yeah. beg, steal, borrow, <laughs> emailed every different person there to try and get the uh, yeah. the limits raised, but they were having none of it. And having a 3PL that 
that sent in dedicated live trucks. Um, sorry for more context. So rather than have an Amazon truck come pick up your goods, typically they'll go back to Amazon and then they'll just hold them. Like they might sit there one or two weeks whilst they're clearing backlogs before they'll check in. Um, whereas if you have a 3PL that sends in their own trucks, because Amazon don't c control those trucks, they have to unload them immediately. So you you lose all that like two to four week potentially where yeah. Amazon would just start, um, stick your products to the side. So they check in much more quickly. And that was absolutely pivotal like that because our, our restock limits were right on the edge. That was kind of make or break between our Q4. So um, having a 3PL that could do live trucks for us with a, a high Q4 brand um, was really important. Yeah. What kind of lift did you see in Q4? It varied a lot from product to product. So our hero skew was about 12x whereas other ones were maybe three to four X. Yeah, it, it can go bonkers. Um, but thankfully, although our Q4 was a little bit of a disaster, I had kind of data and the curves of sales to kind of, so say sales ran out in November, I could kind of work out that trajectory of how sales were going and a guesstimate based on that. But um, inventory planning around Q4 or Q4, or Q4 excuse me, for a Q4 brand can be quite stressful because if you miss by a couple of weeks of Q4, like 12x growth, like that's a lot of months of non-Q4 sales. So um, that's something else to look out for. Yeah. Yeah, thankfully the restock limits seem to have really uh, relaxed now, for now at least. Mm. Yeah, big relief for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Because who knows, going into Q4, what Amazon will do. But fingers crossed, they keep it that way. Yep. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. So, would there be sort of, uh, you know, coming towards a close for anybody that's listening and, you know, is just getting started with Amazon? Uh, what would your advice be to them? What, what's different now than what it was when you got started, and how should they approach this business coming into it? They should approach it as a business. Um, that's definitely a change in the last couple of years. So back when I started, and to, to an extent, I still do view it as a hobby, but it, it was just a little hobby and something that I was trying out. Whereas just because the skill set has to, to um, operate on Amazon has grown considerably, you just have to go into it a lot more intentional, I think. and have a plan and honestly have a course that gives you some kind of structure um yes you can do it in, in my in my view yes you can do it by yourself but you will ultimately save more money if you follow someone that has a proven path and honestly it takes a lot of stress out of it if you have someone that you can refer to um that has experience and if you're following their kind of methodology then they have specific experience to that methodology and can help you course correct if something's going wrong. Um, and outside of that, like if you're just starting, I think the the issues that new sellers face back when I started outside of the technical approach are still the same today. So analysis paralysis and um, just been distracted by so many different approaches because there are so many different approaches that you can do in in uh, in this world 
um, just focus and yeah having having some kind of um, known approach to follow mm. yeah that's good man it's good that's why I like this business right because you if you try and trade crypto or buy NFTs or whatever, you know, there's can be so much luck involved. You have to time the market, that kind of thing. Whereas with this business, if you just if you just work hard and just keep taking forward steps, uh, you know, that's the key to success, right? Not some luck, not some, you know, it's a, it's a business that rewards your your diligence. So uh, that's, you know, that's why I love it. But you've clearly been diligent. Diligent and grit. I, um we're doing seven figures now if i'd given up after that first product uh, like i would have been one of the the many failure stories for amazon and yeah. like i'm from a creative background i have no business experience at all and i've just got to where we are just through not giving up and learning from mistakes and that isn't something that's unique to me that's something that anyone can do yeah, that's really good, man. Really good. Well, I think you know you uh, you should be proud of what you've achieved so far, and super excited to see how the next couple of years pans out. Is your you've got a coach now? You said um, is that kind of changing how you're running the business day to day? Like the the input that you're getting from them, the advice that you're getting from them. Yes, in terms of, uh, so I started with a coach maybe six weeks ago and his first approach was to give me more structure. So we did a proper forecast, which made me realize my plan wasn't going to work. Um, but because of that, it really gave me um, a focal point. Okay, we need to launch this many products in this timeline. And to do that, I really need to front load my product research so that we have like a pipeline of ideas that we can start to get in production. So I've basically dropped everything and I'm just focusing on product research for now because that is the first component of our scaling. Um, outside of that, my kind of next big boy exercise is working on cash flow because um, we do have decent cash reserves to, to launch products, but I think expanding at the rate that we want to I'll probably get to the point where I'll need some external funding um, and doing cash flow forecasting is really going to give me some insight to how that might pan out or also how might getting better um, terms from our suppliers might help to mitigate some of the, that um, requirement for external cash. Yes. And then um, what's the plan? You know, final question then, what, what, what's the plan once you do sell the business in two to three years time whenever it, it kind of does happen um are you gonna ride off into the sunset are you gonna use it to invest and start something again what's your thoughts that's a great question um so like i mentioned i, I discovered this as a sideline I'm, I'm from a more creative background and honestly i, f I find um this is an incredible business for achieving what I would like to achieve monetarily, but it doesn't necessarily give me the fulfillment that I had in my previous job. Um, and selling random products doesn't give me fulfillment outside of hitting random numbers, which isn't a great life goal to have in, in my opinion. Um, everyone's different, but for me that, <clears throat> that doesn't really kind of rev my engine. Um, so, 
along with growing this brand, um, I'm, I'm a big dog guy. I, I love dogs. Um, so I want to grow a dog brand and then use that to help to give back to like dog related charities or causes. Um, and I really think that that's something that I would love to do. And um, I'd love to grow out a brand that way and kind of have that as like a longer term project that I wouldn't necessarily look to sell, but building this business and, and having a sale um, that would kind of hit my goals of what I would like to do for our family. So we both, um, my partner's from Australia, I'm from the UK. Um, we'd like to live in both um, at some point so we can be around my parents as they age and her parents. So mm-hmm. kind of want to be able to have accommodation in both locations and that's what selling this business is for. Um, and then the dog brand is kind of more for a longer term fulfillment goal. Awesome, man. Well, I'm excited to watch all of that unfold and slightly jealous that you'll live half the year in Australia. But, you know, such as my wife's actually Australian as well. So I, I don't know why I moan, because if I really wanted to, we could actually live in Australia. But um... uh, if, it, if it helps, we just had massive flooding. So <laughs> it's very, very British yeah, somewhere over that. here. Yeah. yeah, I saw I got a lot of friends in Australia and uh, I saw some of them, you know, neck deep in water. It's pretty crazy. But... Mm. Crazy times. Good stuff. If uh, if people want to follow your journey, Robin, where's the best place for them to keep in touch with what you're up to? On Twitter. Yep. I just started posting on Twitter, I guess, in the last six months, maybe. Um, it's just at Brown T. Robin. It's my name backwards. So instead of Robin T. Brown, it's Brown T. Robin. Good stuff. Yeah, well, I thoroughly enjoy following you. It's some good banter, uh, but some great, great updates from you as well. And uh, looking forward to seeing more of those updates through this year. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight and wisdom. I know it will have helped a lot of sellers just uh, that maybe are, you know, are are struggling with some aspects, are finding some things hard, having seen your journey, you know, you get through some challenges and now seeing some real great growth is uh, super inspiring, man. So we really, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Thanks for having me, man. It's fun. Definitely. Good stuff. All right. Well, we'll have to uh, hopefully get you back on again in, uh, you know, a year or two find out how it was all going see what the journey's looking like then yeah for sure let's do it what an episode that was with robin what a guy what a conversation and uh really looking forward to seeing how his journey goes do make sure that you do check his twitter out if you want to follow his journey we'll leave a link in the description below and if you like episodes and conversations like this do hit that subscribe button if you're listening on the podcast hit the like button just to let us know if you're watching on youtube leave us a comment let us know that you enjoyed the episode and we will keep working hard to get great guests on the show like Robin some more. All right, I will see you in the next episode next week.